Hello, welcome back to Sextras. Where we talk about sex and all the extras. I'm Honey. And I'm Maria. And welcome back to our friendship mini series. Mm-hmm. We have an amazing guest for you guys today. Her name is Shasta Nelson, and she's going to talk all about making and maintaining friends. Mm-hmm. And obviously, this is like a big problem for us. <laughs> we talk about it all the time. And I think people forget that friendships are really important and like making friends is also an important part of like being an adult but most people don't really know how to do it and then maintaining friends once you get into your 20s is also like a massive problem for so many people which we kind of get into in the episode but yeah maria do you want to tell everyone about our lovely guest our guest shasta nelson has written three books friendtimacy about deepening friendships and happiness ultimately Mm -hmm. then another one that's called friendships don't just happen which is a guide to creating meaning a meaningful circle of girlfriends and she's also written the business of friendship which is about workplace relationships and friendships well Mm -hmm. friendships uh so you should definitely check those out she's a female friendship expert and she's the founder and ceo of girlfriendcircles.com and she will tell you a little bit more about that. So, should we get into it with Shasta? Let's get into it. Okay, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any kind of like, we used to do fun facts basically on the podcast to like introduce the guests or like what kind of mood you're in today if you feel like sharing a fun fact about yourself or another icebreaker (laughs) (laughs) how fun yeah yeah so I'm a little jet lagged today so apologies if my brain isn't entirely all here I just got back from Thailand where I took a group of 16 women um we do I do two trips a year to different countries where it's just a fun opportunity to take they all start off as strangers who just love to travel and they join this amazing travel itinerary and then it's so fun for me to watch like friendships happen in real time I always feel like this like little mad scientist where I'm like (laughs) watching strangers and being like you are going to bond and like people think it's this it is magic I was gonna say but they think it's this uh unknowable thing or that you have to have all these things in common or whatever and it's always so fun to know that that I know that I can create friendships for them and help facilitate the environment that will help produce that. And it's so fun in a relatively short period of time to see their bond. So you're catching me on the high of like having just uh, traveled and watched a group of women connect and also on the low of like the jet lag and the recovery process on that. But I'm super happy. You're my first day back in the office and I'm super happy to be with you. Oh, thank oh, wow. you. Thank you so for much. being with us on your first day back. That sounds intense, but also <laughs> so fun. You're like friendship <laughs> cupid. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I feel like that sometimes, which is super special because those are such beautiful moments to witness and participate in. So do you find a lot that like when you're writing or like when you're doing your own work, is it hard to kind of like envisage what that will be in practice and then that that those kind of trips and those situations kind of show you the reality of it or is it um I would say that the trips and the retreats and the speaking and all the things I do out with people it's that's like what informs the writing and that's what helps kind of give the illustrations and the the examples and helps me see what like people are really struggling with what are the big needs what are the you know what are the issues that I keep you know I get so many emails and Instagram messages from people wanting advice and so it's really just all the interaction with people that helps inform and direct and kind of inspire the research and the writing and the work so it's it's uh, they, they definitely fit together I love both <laughs> of them uh, both very different energies. One's a very external on energy and the other's like a very hermit, like just kind of reading and wondering and drawing and mapping things out and trying to break down friendship and trying to see it in a different way for everybody. So yeah, they both take a different energy, but I, I love both. I'm somebody who definitely likes the quiet time, but I'm somebody who loves being around people, but I, I like trying to find that right combo of both. Mm, yeah. Interesting. What are the problems that you find people have the most when trying to make friends in those real life scenarios? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a great question. I think the biggest, broadest 
one is that a lot of us are having a hard time figuring out how to make friends. I mean, just, and it sounds so vague and general, but it's like, we all want that best friend and very few of us have it. And we often fall for the belief that it's because we haven't met the right person and that we need to keep meeting people. And so the conversation often becomes, uh, how do I go meet people conversation, which is really not the conversation most people need to be having. Most of us know enough people or we actually know where to bump into people and how to meet people it's actually that most of us don't know how to become friends with the people we're meeting it's like one thing to meet somebody it's another thing to figure out how to go from you know meeting each other at some event to actually becoming friends and i think that's the that's the piece that uh is just so hard to jump over that hurdle because it, it requires um, and we can get into this in a little bit, but it requires initiation and inviting and consistency, and it requires us logging hours together. And so it's, it can be hard to protect that time and make that time and offer that time and commit that time. So I feel like there's a ton of, like most of our loneliness comes from not knowing. And, and, to, and to be fair, most of us haven't been taught this. I mean, that's what's so fun about my work is that most of us haven't read a book on friendship and haven't attended a class on friendship. And so we think it's something that we're supposed to just be good at or know how to do. And uh, then we feel shame when we feel lonely and don't have these close, deep friendships. And that's where my work is super fun because I actually am like able to break down and teach how we can actually build those meaningful relationships. So that's a really big area. But I would say specifically, I was laying awake last night thinking about my next video series. And like one of the biggest complaints that, you know, that just we see often is people not reciprocating. So a lot of a lot of women especially think that they're the ones that are doing the most in the friendship. So I'm always the one who calls her. I'm always the one who invites her out. I'm always the one who does this. I'm the one who does that. And if I didn't reach out, we would just never see each other or, you know, and so kind of that feeling of it not being reciprocated or mutual uh, is a really, really big issue. Um, another really common issue is um, somebody who over talks, <laughs> somebody who like we leave the, <laughs> you, you both look at each other. <laughs> <laughs> I need to hear more about that. But yeah, but yeah, just kind of, I get a lot of complaints about women who are like, my friend doesn't really listen to me or she never asks questions or she only needs me when, um, when she's in problem, you know, she's always calling me in crisis and complaining. And just so a lot of issues around um, just not feeling heard by our friends. And so, so it's hard to make friends. And then even when we have friends, we often don't feel loved enough by them. We often don't feel heard. We don't feel valuable. We don't feel important enough. And so then of course that sets up all kinds of issues and it might not be that our friends aren't good friends or that they don't love us. It might be that we just, people don't know how to do friendship. And so we're not showing up and doing it. It could be that we can repair it and fix it. But unfortunately, most of us don't have the friends we want. And then those of us who have friends are quite unhappy with them. And so like 75% of us are dissatisfied with our friendships, which is a really high number, unfortunately. So yeah, that's all kinds of issues, but those are some of the common ones that come up. But what do you, do you find those to be true? Yeah, definitely. I think it's like really interesting that we've been talking about this in a couple of our other episodes that like friendships, at least for me, are like a massive part of my life, like more important in many ways than my like romantic relationships, especially because I'm single. And considering that, I think people don't put enough work as they should into their friendships. And like, I like what you're saying about like not being taught how to do friendships because like when you're younger you're just told like oh be yourself go out there and like you'll make friends it's a very like passive kind of way of interacting yeah. with people that like realistically you are making a friend with the intention that it will be for life or like for a prolonged period of time yeah um so yeah no I've definitely experienced that and yeah Maria was looking at me <laughs> because I'm always like oh I feel like I put in way more effort than other people and <laughs> like why am I not getting it reciprocated kind of thing so yeah and like back to what you were saying about making friends and like that step of like okay you meet someone but then how do you become their friend I feel like that's just like a concept that I just don't understand because also the friends that for instance, like we're 22, we just left uni. So the friends that we have made up until this point is because you see them every single day. You know, there's like, there's, you don't have to create those like interactions yeah. really, they just happen. So I feel like I'm like 
I've been at my job for like a year and I see these people every day, but like, I still don't really have friends because I, I don't know how to like cross that barrier, as you said. Yeah. So maybe we can talk about that. Like, okay, you've met someone. How do you then actually make a friend? Yeah, it's a great question. And one of the loneliest times for is in our mid to late twenties for that very reason, because we've had the consistency through school and uh, in different ways and different programs that allowed us to kind of foster those friendships. And we can touch on this in a little bit, but what there's three requirements to all healthy friendships. And one of them is consistency, which just means being able to spend time with each other regularly enough to, you know, feel like we're in each other's lives. And, and that consistency, we only have two choices for building it. One is attend something or participate in something that is already consistent, like university or work or joining a book club or going to a gym or, you know, I mean, so when we look at like all the common advice for making friends, you'll notice that it's not really about any of those. It's not like an art class has better friends than, uh, you know, than going hiking or something like that. But it's, it's if, if you can sign up for something that's that's regular and the other people are showing up, then you just have more likelihood of starting to build those bonds. The only other option, if we're not participating in something consistently, is to initiate consistently, which means that when I meet somebody I like, I have to actually figure out the next step of like, how do I see this person again? And how do we put in enough time and log the hours to become friends? And that's really hard because then that taps into all of our fear stuff about are they interested? And should I invite them out? And they said, no. And does that mean they're not interested? And do I do it again? And we had a great time, but it's, you know, and so it's, it's really hard to like create that consistency ourselves. And so, but even to your point, you can work every day at the same place um, and you still have to figure out, so you can see people regularly, but you still have to make the jump at some point of how do we build this friendship outside of this? And that always requires um, one person initiating at some point. And that's super scary for most of us. I talk about in one of my books, Frentimacy, some of the research around our greatest human fear is rejection. And we might not always use that word in our heads, but it's the fear of, do they like me? It's the fear of, am I good enough? It's the fear of, do I want this more than they do? Or, you know, what will they think of me? And am I liked? Am I accepted? And so all of that stuff, like that's a really innate need in all of us. And so the idea of putting ourselves out there is so, so scary. And, um, and to your point, I love, I love honey, where you're talking about like romantic relationships versus friendships and good for you. The research actually shows that it's our friendships, uh, that will do more for our health and happiness. Um, I think all healthy relationships contribute to it, but often, um, as women, we put so much emphasis on romantic relationships and on parent child relationships. And we get so focused on finding the one and having kids. And those relationships don't, unfortunately, always produce health and happiness. They often, for women, have historically taken health and happiness from us, unfortunately. <laughs> and so we've got to like learn how to do those relationships better and differently. But our friendships are so important. But we can learn from our romantic relationships. I think it's so interesting that in, when it comes to dating, we have a... We have a norm. We have a protocol. Like we, we know that somebody has to make the ask. We know that now the two of us are going to go spend time together. We know that if we had a good time together, that it's going to happen again. We, we would never like come home from a date and be like, that was really fun. We should do it again sometime in a couple of months and then like wait several months and then hopefully reach out again. Like we would, we have a norm and an expectation that if we both enjoyed it, that we would find the next time, usually within a couple of weeks, often in a couple of days to see each other again. And yet when it comes to female friends, we often walk away from a lunch or a time together and we'll say, well, that was fun. We should do it again sometime. And then like months pass and one of us thinks, well, I should probably reach out to her. And then it's like, oh, too much time has passed. And it wasn't that meaningful because now it was just one time. And so it's really easy to let a whole bunch of small opportunities pass us by for lack of never having momentum or never kind of giving the gift to our friendships that we often will give to our romantic relationships. Mm. Yeah, we've talked a lot about how we have like different standards and expectations of romantic relationship. And I'd never even thought about it from like, that starts just from like when the relationship actually starts, like how it all like, you know, initiates and everything. Cause like, I was thinking, I feel like I wouldn't feel that like insecure and find it that awkward if it was like a romantic thing. Like I feel like I find it a lot easier. Like there's all these rules, you know, like all this stuff that I can mm -hmm. like see. 
okay, this person actually likes me. You know, I feel like there's a lot more indicators that I don't have those on for like friendships necessarily. Like, I feel like a lot more insecure about like, oh shit, like what if they don't like me? Like, what if I'm being annoying? What if I'm saying something weird? Like that I feel like there's more clear cut rules in a romantic setting to kind of like move past that in a yeah way. we have like we have like flirting we have like flirting in yeah, different ways exactly. of giving indicators which is interesting because the we'll get to all three of these requirements eventually but the the one the second requirement so the first requirement of all healthy relationships like you cannot bond without consistent time and so we were just kind of touching on that that you have to have momentum you have to have interaction you can look back on any friendship you've ever had and you can see that you became friends because you saw each other regularly. At some point, you ended up having a reason to be together and, um, and to meet each other. And, and just as a side note to that, the research shows that when we look at our best friends, uh, we self-report that it took about 200 hours that we've been friends with them, that we've logged with them to really become and build that friendship up. So even if we instantly like somebody and think, oh, I would love to be friends with her, uh, we are not going to feel close right away. It takes hours and hours and hours. And you think about university, you think about slumber parties as kids, you think about all the hours we log. And as adults, if, if, it's, if we just relegate it to a lunch once a month, you can see how long it will take before we feel close to each other and like build those consistent hours. But to your point um, around like the indicators with romantic relationships, the second requirement of all healthy relationships is a positive emotion. And so we have to feel good we have to feel some pleasure we have to have some reward for being in each other's presence and um and this is true of every level of friendship so when we look at our closest friends uh it should have high levels of expressed positive emotion and that could include empathy and laughter and acts of service um it could include you know just us telling each other how much we love each other it could include us planning big birthday parties for each other like it could include us going out and just dancing on tables and having making memories together but it has to include positive emotion. And the science shows us that for all healthy relationships, we have to have five positive emotions for every negative emotion. So we are going into our friendships. Every time one of us wants a friend, it's because we want to have more good feelings. If we're just being totally crass about it, we want friendships because we want to feel more loved. We want to feel more appreciated. We want to feel more adored. We want to feel more fun. And so we are looking for positive emotions. And to your point, I wonder if we do a better job of giving those off in romantic relationships. I wonder if we do a better job giving indicators and doing the things that help each other feel good in the new friendships. Whereas in, in female friendships, it's just as important. I'm not going to want to be consistent with you if I don't feel joy being around you. I'm not going to want to schedule that next lunch if I'm not sure you really like me. I'm not going to carve out time to reach out to you if I'm like less not sure how you feel about me. And so it wouldn't it be interesting if one of the most important things we could do is just be more verbal, be more expressive, uh, show our show our adoration and our interest, and our curiosity. I mean, find the ways to platonically flirt where we help communicate to each other. I like you. I'm interested. Like, this is fun. I'm having a good time. Like, thanks so much for this. It was so wonderful to be with you. I love getting to know you. And wouldn't it be interesting to your point if we figured out a better way to give the positive emotions that would then help that consistency feel easier to make happen. Hmm. Do you find that like with that whole idea of flirting with your friends, obviously in a platonic way, <laughs> that people are scared to kind of come across too eager? Yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking. <laughs> But isn't it funny? Why are we willing to do that with romantic relationships? Yeah, that, genuinely, my whole mind is being blown because I'm kind of like, I feel like me and my boyfriend tell each other I love you like a million times a day, I'd say. And I, I feel like I need that, you know, like I need that constant reassurance. But for my friends, it's like, yeah, I tell my friends I love them. Like, I'm not like weird with that, but I also don't do it like, I do it like maybe like once a week, if that, you know, but I don't, but it's also like, I feel like maybe it's because I feel more secure and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to go into a whole comparison of relationships versus friendships, but no, it's, it's helpful. I think it's helpful because we, like... we, we spend so much time talking about romantic relationships. So I think it is helpful to learn from it. Mm. Do you think that there's like a, a degree of people just feeling like too comfortable, you know, like kind of take their friends for granted a lot of the time. So there's not this like constant effort 
Yeah, I think that happens a lot. And I think it really goes back to maybe what you were saying about expectations. And in our romantic relationships, we have a lot of cultural expectation that we should be in love with each other all the time and that we should be saying I love you and that we should be having physical intimacy. And, you know, there's like a lot of allowance and permission and acceptance around that. Whereas maybe with our friendship, we need to speak more of how much, how important that is to those, to feeding and taking care of. I often say when I'm like giving a keynote or something, I often talk about how really our number one requirement as friends is to, our number one job description, I should say, as friends is to make sure that every time my friends interact with me or spend time with me, that they leave feeling better about who they are and about their lives for having been with me. And so to me, um, you know, that means that I want every interaction that I have with my friends, I want them to walk away and I don't even want them to have for one second a fear, like maybe I shouldn't have said that, or is she judging me? Or am I not interesting enough? I'm like, I know that every single one of us has insecurities. Every single one of us is walking away wondering if we're good enough. Like that's our tapes that we're playing in our head. And if there's anything I can do as somebody's friend or potential friend to help decrease that tape from playing, I know that they're going to be more likely to want to spend time with me. We're drawn to the people who like us. We want to, we're going to go to the people who leave us feeling good about ourselves. So if we want friends, the number one thing we want to practice is how can I help these people? How can I help this friend, what new friend, somebody I met at work or my best friend? How can I help make sure that their time with me, this conversation with me, they feel better about themselves. And, um, and that sometimes means empathy and validation uh, for something hard. That sometimes means um, cheering people up and bringing laughter. Sometimes that means just going out and having fun and like bringing pleasant and enjoyable and thrill to the relationship. Other times that means uh, affirmation and reminding me I'm good enough and compliments. And, you know, so, I mean, I think there's so many ways to do it and it will look different on our personalities with each friendship, but the goal should be that in every friendship, we're doing everything we can to increase the odds of positive emotion because that not only helps be the foundation for the relationship and helps make sure that it stays healthy like you do with your boyfriend, um, but also it helps decrease the fears that person has. It makes them want to be closer to you. It helps create, um, it helps give everybody what they're actually really looking for in life. So yeah, it's, it would be interesting if we would not worry about looking eager and instead we would like not fear that we are coming across too strong, but instead just real, I just look at it as a gift I'm giving to the world and it's taking nothing from me. I can affirm somebody and if they end up not becoming my friend, I haven't lost anything. I've just blessed them with an affirmation. I can invite somebody to something and if they say no, I have, it hasn't taken something from me. I still am who I am and I just gave the gift of letting that person know that they were wanted in the world, even if they can't make it happen or, or show up. Like to just kind of view the things we do as a, as a way we are in the world, that we are here to bless people and make it a little bit better. And it doesn't mean I'm a bad person or something's wrong with me if not everybody else receives it. But that's just how, that's just how I think we want to go about through life. And I think it goes back, honey, to your point about feeling like you're always the person who does the most in your friendships and that kind of stuff. If you had high levels of positive emotions, if you had your friends commenting on that and affirming you for that and acknowledging it, even if they didn't actually Matt, you know, and I don't know what it is that you feel like you're doing. We can talk about that if you want. But even if you, if they were saying, you know what, I noticed that you're always the one who calls me. And I so appreciate that. It makes me feel so loved. And I, I want to talk to you and I just never pick up the phone, but I am so grateful that you always call me. It leaves, it's like, it gives so much to our friendship. It helps hold us together. Thank you for that. I would guess that it would immediately, like, you would be happy to keep calling. Like, it would take away, it, like, almost balances out the friendship to some degree. Because a lot of us who are giving, it's not that we necessarily need the other person to be 50-50, but we want to know we're appreciated for it. And so if we would just get better at appreciating and affirming and expressing and loving our friends, uh, we would protect and save way more friendships than we currently are. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I do think that a lot of, like, the insecurity that I feel from friendships comes from like I feel like this always turns into like a therapy session for us I'm so sorry but like <laughs> but no like, it's great it's good <laughs> um that it comes from like yeah that like lack of like 
not necessarily affirmations but just like reciprocation in a way and I feel like that in itself is a massive affirmation of like okay you're doing all this stuff like it's for a reason it's not like I don't want to be your friend like I don't want to be here and I wonder if you could if you like if you can if you know about like love languages and friendships because like Mm-hmm. We, we always talk about love languages and like attachment styles yeah kind of love it and recently I was thinking that like because I'm very avoidantly attached in, in romantic relationships <laughs> and in friendships I think I'm really anxiously attached because I'm like always thinking about my friends <laughs> and like always wondering if they like I mean not always but like <laughs> but wondering if they like think the same about me or like feel the same yeah. like level of intimacy with me as I do with them so yeah I wonder if you could kind of speak to that a little bit yeah and you know and I just love your honesty and your vulnerability and so many people listening can relate to that and I just think what you just modeled is such a beautiful thing to say to our friends you know I mean for you to be able to say to a friend I think I'm anxiously attached which means Um, you know, that I, this is one of the fears I carry with me. And so I'm working on it. And that's something that I'm paying attention to. So it's not our friend's job to, they can't fill that for us, but to be able to say to them, like, this is, this is how I'm prone to be, which means I sometimes have these fears. And so would you, you know, anything you can do to help and then be able to make your ask, you know, especially of good friends to be able to say, so therefore, Sometimes I might need to double check with you and ask a question and I need you to answer it honestly. Or one of the things that helps me so much is when you say X, Y, Z, as you often do, uh, when we end a conversation, the times you've said, oh, I just love so much that we spent time together like that. I just want you to know what that means to me. Thank you. And so it's being able to affirm for you to affirm your friends for the behaviors that leave you feeling more safe. And so for you to find what are the things that some people do or that people do sometimes that helps you feel less anxious. And if you can name those things and affirm your friends for those things, I always try to like make changes in a positive when possible, where you're able to say, when you've done that, it has meant so much to me. It's like so meaningful. Uh, you know, and so even if they've only done it once out of 20, it's still meaningful for you to like help point out the behaviors that are helpful to you. As a, if I were your friend, I would hear that and I would just be like, oh my gosh, like, yes, I want to, like, I love you. I get so much from you. I love our time together. I want to know this so I can help, help like create a safe place for you and hopefully ask, you know, what, what can I do that would help you trust this relationship? So I think honesty in your case um, is one of the most beautiful things. Um, which leads us um, to our third requirement of all healthy relationships. So we've talked about consistency, which is we have to have time together. Um, we can have a great, meet somebody amazing. And if it's just one amazing time, it's not a friendship. It's just somebody we met once. It has to be repeated for it to become a friendship. The second requirement of all relationships is positive emotion. It has to have more positive feelings, pleasant feelings than unpleasant feelings. Um, we have all had the relationships where we see their name on the phone. And when they call, we go, oh. <laughs> that's usually a sign that there's more negative emotions than positive emotions. Like we get weary or exhausted or we feel judged or we like all those, those friendships are not healthy and won't make it. So we've got to figure out how to decrease the negative emotions and increase the positive emotions. And then the third requirement is what you've just modeled, what both of you have modeled on this podcast and why it's probably been so meaningful to so many people. And that is vulnerability. Vulnerability is how we feel closer to somebody. Vulnerability is how we feel. We feel more known. We feel more seen. We feel like we get you. We feel like you get us. This is the one that helps us feel like we are closer and that we are safe to each other and that we can trust each other. It's where we um, make our asks and share who we really Really are and so what you're doing in this that vulnerability um you know is so meaningful because it, it's what it's what helps bond us and helps us actually feel close to each other and then the most important thing is that all three of these are happening in connection because the last thing you want to do is be vulnerable and then feel judged for it so we want you to be vulnerable and then we want to come back to the positive emotion and the number one thing we should do when our friends are vulnerable is come back to positive emotion, which is saying, that makes total sense that you would feel that way. Or of course that would make that sense. And oh, thank you for sharing that. And so anything we can do that decreases somebody's fear of rejection and increases their their feeling of acceptance and love, like that's the positive emotion. And then these three things just keep working together because if you're vulnerable, 
and you feel safe afterwards because the other person responded well in a way that left you feeling good, then you'll want to repeat your time with them and the consistent time. You'll be drawn in to want to see them again because you'll say, oh, yeah, I love it when I hang out with her. And you may not know the science behind it, but it's because you feel safe sharing who you are and you feel loved for who you are. So you have the vulnerability and the positive positivity, and then you'll want to be more consistent. And every time you're consistent, the more you interact with each other, the more, and I'm drawing a triangle, sorry, you see my hands, but I can't teach it. I teach it all on a triangle, <laughs> so my brain thinks that way. But the consistency and vulnerability are move up the triangle in, in, in tandem, which is every time we spend time together, we should be getting to know each other a tiny bit more. We should find out something about you. We should hear a little update. We should hear what's going on in your heart. We should see how you react to things, what you like, how you light up. And so as we get to know each other better, we hopefully like each other better, the positivity, and we hopefully want to spend more time together. And these three things just keep happening. And that's what creates a bond. And so I know I've gotten us off topic a little bit here from your original question, but I think it was you were modeling vulnerability. I wanted to pull that in that with you two on your podcast, like anybody listening can see how we feel bonded to you as your listeners because you have been consistent. You've been in our ears for two and a half years. You've been vulnerable. So we feel like we know you and we feel like you get us because you've named some of our fears and you leave us feeling better for that positivity. And so we feel bonded to you because you have practiced these three things. And even if you didn't like know you were practicing those three things, you were doing that. And so people feel close to you. And all of us listening can say, I feel really close to them. And unfortunately you don't feel close to all of us <laughs> because you don't know, we don't, you know, it's like we say, it's not a friendship, it's a podcast. But we can all look at this and say, that's exactly how a friendship works, except it goes both directions in a friendship where two people both feel more seen in a way that leaves them feeling good and, and trustworthy of that relationship. And so anyway, I, <laughs> bring me back to the question you wanted me to answer, but I wanted to just make sure everybody saw the big framework here that it's impossible to build a meaningful friendship without consistency, positivity, and vulnerability. All three are required. And I can guarantee everybody that any relationship in your life that feels good, it's because all three of those are present. You can look back and say, oh, yeah, I see her consistently or I talk to her, you know, here this often and I, we have this vulnerability and we feel good in this way. I can guarantee you that any relationship that feels good, it's because you've practiced all three of these things. And conversely, I can guarantee that any relationship that's not feeling as meaningful as you want it to, you can probably pretty quickly look at it and see which one of these three things is lacking or lagging behind or not happening. And you can pretty quickly say, yeah, that friendship has great vulnerability and positivity. We, I always feel like we just pick up where we left off and talk and feel good, but I only talk to her every six months. And so it's the consistency that's lacking, or we can look at it and say, I talk to her all the time and we're always sharing each other, venting on our lives. And so we've got consistency and vulnerability, but I always feel drained and weary and exhausted, which means we have more negativity feelings than positive emotions. We've got to figure out how to, how to turn that lever, you know? And so you can kind of quickly see how every friendship, um, we're aiming for all three of these things and often we'll have one missing, which then risks the entire relationship if we don't know how to repair it and fix it and notice that. Mm. And what happens when that when we lose one of those aspects? Like, how do we pick that up? Obviously, with consistency and like with timing, that's kind of an obvious point. But like if you lose those positive emotions, then I'm sure you kind of like lose the the will to actually try and make that so like what's your advice totally. for going forward with those kinds of friendships yeah and I would say that's actually most of us think consistency is the hardest one most of us think that with our busy lives and all that stuff the consistency is the hardest but in all of my research positivity is is the most common one that's missing and lagging behind and um, so, yeah, you nailed that. And when that one's missing, it affects everything. Because if I don't feel positive emotions around you, I'm not, I may not even consciously know that. But if I don't feel positive emotions around you, I'm going to unconsciously or consciously not want to spend time with you. I'm not going to think it's worth getting a babysitter or not spending the night with my boyfriend or just like staying on the couch watching TV. My body is not going to say this is worth going out and spending time with this person because the payoff hasn't been there. And so when that positivity isn't high, it's uh, it's like a matter of duty for somebody then to show up, which isn't like sustainable. So yeah, that positivity when it's absent or lagging 
it affects our consistency and it also affects our vulnerability because if I don't feel really loved by you, I'm going to be less likely to open up. I'm going to be less likely to be really honest. I'm going to, I will be more tempted to go into impressing mode when we get together, more likely to want to like talk about how good everything is. I'm not going to feel as safe with you. And so, um, yeah, when that positivity is low, it damages all parts of the friendship. So that kind of goes back to what I was saying at the beginning that our number one job description when we're wanting to make friends or protect friends or to repair friends is to figure out how to get that positivity ratio back in balance. And remember, we have to have five positive emotions for every negative emotion. So the biggest way to look at that ratio is to say, what are the negative emotions? And some of them, sometimes it's easier to look at something and repair it. Um, all the throwing of the quantity of positive emotions isn't going to fix it. If we had a fight, if there's something that's left being unsaid, if there's a major annoyance, if there's something that the elephant in the room between us, if I need to forgive you, if like there's been a misunderstanding, like sometimes we need to deal with the thing that's creating the negative emotion. And sometimes we need to figure out what does that look like to have that tough conversation? What does that look like to forgive her? What does that look like to accept her? What does that look like to speak my truth or set a boundary? And so what do I need to do to um, protect this, like decrease the impact of this negative emotion? And then the good news is we can always add more positive emotions. So we can always say thank you. We can always uh, tell somebody that we appreciated hanging out with them and affirm them. We can always uh, take the time to say, you know what, we've been both going through hard times lately or uh, let's go out and just have fun tonight. For one night, let's just take the night off from like that situation and that problem and let's just go out and have a good time. We can just make memories together. We can laugh together. We can figure out how to express more gratitude to each other. We can go spend time doing something that inspires us, you know? And so we want to start thinking about how can I increase the positive emotions when I'm with this person so that we enjoy being together and feel loved when we're together. And that goes back to your original question. I remember now about love languages. It's so important. Those love languages absolutely are crucial for increasing that, um, increasing that positive emotion. So it's basically our question is how does, how can I help my friend feel loved and what do I need to do to help her feel like I'm her biggest cheerleader in life and hopefully both asking that and wanting to do that for each other. I'd honestly forgotten that was my original question. So good for remembering. I was getting so like I got I got there eventually. Oh, trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys already have you already shared with everybody what are your love languages? Yes, we have a while ago, but maybe we can share again. Mine are quality time and I think in like romantic relationships it's acts of service but I think in friendships it's maybe words of affirmation what about you and this is this is wait wait I just have one more question so it's interesting mm. to me with love languages and different for you with romantic versus platonic and it's also interesting to me that you feel a different attachments uh style with romantic versus platonic do you know why like why in your does one represent something different to you than the other like why are they yeah. different I think because I place more importance on friendships that's probably why and also like when I was younger I like struggled to make friends quite a lot or like I had like a lot of fake friends and like friendship breakups and like I would always be in like like up until the age of like 13, 14 like when we were first friends I was always friends with like a group of three and like that's just like a toxic <laughs> number when you're younger for some reason and like I would always be dropped from that group of three and so yeah I don't know that's a good question that's really deep <laughs> <laughs> but I think I just have like yeah some negative attachments to friendships and so like I really cling on to the ones that I already have because I'm like you are it for life like you're not going anywhere I need to maintain <laughs> these friendships like I was saying to Maria in my head I have like my rotor of friendship and I like go around with my little watering pot and like nurture each one like as a little like flower or something and I want to make sure that like you know that no one's like being yeah. left out <laughs> it's a really weird mentality to have with it I think but that's beautiful yeah. well I mean what we don't want is you doing that I mean ultimately we don't want you doing that from an anxious place right we don't want you doing that where you have to prove or everyone has to like I don't want you watering and nurturing all those flowers out of a place of insecurity 
And it's a beautiful thing that you're thinking that way. And it's a beautiful thing that all of us should be more attentive to is like looking at our relationships as things to check in on and see how they're doing and nurture them. I mean, they all do need nurturing. So it's a really beautiful way of looking at your relationships. I love that metaphor. And if I could wave a magic wand, it would be from a place of you knowing and living secure attachment in those. And that becomes just a part of the process for you. But yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful way to look at it. What about you, Maria? What's your love language? And how do you see it play out with your friends? (laughs) I think it's words of affirmation for both. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say it's probably words of affirmation. I feel like I'm quite a I'm like very anxiously attached, at least like in ro- like in a romantic setting. And I feel like I'm quite a like insecure person in my relationships. So like in friendships, I find like everyone constantly says to me like, oh, like you're so like picky with your friends because like I'll only really say someone's my friend if like we're best friends. Like I need to feel like really close with someone to be like, oh, they're my friend because otherwise it's like, Nah, like I, th- I think the vulnerability point, like for me, is like you mm. know when like I have to reserve that in a way, <laughs> and then I don't know. I find it really hard to like be vulnerable yeah. and like not feel insecure with people that I don't, I haven't reached like a certain level to. I think that's like my biggest thing. It's like I, I'm constantly like, do they like me or like I can't, I, f- I don't feel like I can be myself essentially. Mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's really good to name. And I like, I'd love, I wish everybody felt comfortable. I'd like, as we were, you know, when we go dating, when we like meet some romantic interest for the first or second time, it's like we understand that we're allowed to ask each other questions and we're getting to know each other and we can ask certain things. And, and it's funny yeah. sometimes with female friendship, we don't feel that same protocol because well, how beautiful would it be for us to be able to like, be like, what's your love language, you know, and to be able to actually name that exactly. for each other, because I immediately would want to say like, okay, Maria, like she's somebody who I want to make sure that I tell her how much I love hanging out with her. And I want to be, I want to hear that she has a hard time being vulnerable so that when she is, I can thank her for that and like tell her how much it means to me to, to hear that, you know, and like when honey is sharing with me her stuff, I can immediately say as somebody who wants to be friends with her, I know how important it is to give her quality time. Like if she's not seeing me and hanging out with me and making memories, it'll feel hard for her to feel like she can trust this relationship. So if I want to be friends with her, I need to prioritize that. And I need to notice is she always the one asking me out or can I, maybe that would be meaningful for her if I, if I initiated that time together, you know? And so just the sharing of like what you both did in a couple of minutes, can you just look at how amazing our friendships would be? I mean, we've known people who have been friends for years and years and years and don't know this about it and have never had this conversation with their friends. And yet if we could just have this conversation in an earlier in a friendship, it would be like life changing for the friendship because I hold the belief that everybody shows up wanting to be loved and wanting to wanting to love the other person you know they might be scared they might have their own issues but I don't think anybody wakes up and says I really want to disappoint my friends today you know I really want to be somebody who like makes people not feel good around my presence I mean I think everybody shows up with the desire to be loved and to love and we often just so many other things get in the way of that and our stories and our narratives and our anxious attachments and insecure feelings and all of that but I just love what you both have modeled just so clearly cuts through so much of that and invites real intimacy and connection. And it's really, really beautiful. And I was going to say too, Maria, so I teach on a triangle on the bottom of the triangle is positive emotions. And then up both sides of the triangle is consistency and vulnerability. And when you were talking about like vulnerability being the hard one for you, I just wanted to like reiterate the, the imagery because I teach that it's not, am I going to be vulnerable or not? It's not all or nothing. Every friendship starts on the bottom of the triangle with, with low levels of consistency. We barely know each other. So therefore we should be barely vulnerable with each other. It should be, um, they should be in tandem with each other, even with each other, if you will. And then as I spend a little bit more time with you, I should get to know a little bit more about you. And if you're totally closed off, then it's going to be really hard for me to ever feel close to you or want, I can't keep building the friendship with you and we can't wait forever, forever, forever for you to start, for you to keep revealing. Otherwise the friendship will never grow. And so it becomes a thing where you can't wait until it feels completely close because we won't feel close to you until you're sharing. It's kind of like the two go in tandem. 
but I totally support healthy, appropriate vulnerability is incremental. And you should only be sharing a little bit more. So when you think about vulnerability on a scale of like one to 10, with 10 being like the most vulnerable things, the things that like just are like, oh, total shame, total raw, total unfiltered conversations, those should be reserved for the people who you put at the top of the triangle, who you have high consistency with, which means you've had long history with, you know each other well, you've proven reliable, you've like put in the time, you spend time together, and you have high levels of positive emotion banked at that point. And so the high level of vulnerability should be reserved for the people at the top of your triangle. But all of us wanna practice incremental vulnerability slowly, little bit by little bit. And as we share a little bit and it's responded to with positivity and as we get to know each other a little bit more, um, you know, I, I think a lot of us listening, a lot of women are the opposite uh, problem. A lot of women think that if they just bear everything and they just like vomit their vulnerability that, that somehow gets them to the top of the triangle faster. And that's not appropriate or healthy or bonding in good ways either. And so um, we all need to kind of pause and say, am I somebody who tends to try to climb that ladder too fast? because I'm lonely, because I don't have anyone, because I just am so scared of rejection that I'm just gonna be like, tell you all now so that I feel worse, less worse later. You know, I mean, we have all our own fears pushing us to overshare. And then a lot of us, we express it by undersharing. And all of us wanna just get to the place where I'm like, okay, I just need to flex this muscle a little bit, build it a little stronger and figure out what it looks like to just incrementally practice vulnerability in tandem with positive emotions and consistent time. And uh, so that it's not just you're either a friend or you're nothing, but it's more up the triangle. You have new friends down here where you're lower vulnerability. And as you spend more time with each other and feel good around each other, you like it's, it's more of a spectrum of depth rather than all or nothing. So people can be friends all over your triangle. But to your point, very well made. Some people deserve a different level of intimacy at the top of the triangle than people at the bottom of the triangle. Does that help? Yeah, I guess I find it hard like the whole initiation idea of it. I feel like I only ever follow what the person's doing. So then, and not even like, maybe not even match it sometimes because I don't want to like, you know, back to what we were saying, like seem too eager. So if someone like initiates a conversation, yeah, sure, I'll talk to them. But like, I'm never gonna, I would never initiate that conversation with them first. Like, I, I feel like I need to be like, almost mm. like one step like behind the person in case like you know in case like something comes out that's like embarrassing I don't know I don't know what it is but like I need to like the person to mm -hmm. be like okay this is fine this is the level now and then I can be like okay cool so then I feel like I never get anywhere with people because I'm kind of constantly waiting for mm. them to give it them their all and I'm just kind of there like mm. <laughs> you know like I feel like I'm like show me that you want to be my friend so bad otherwise I'm not gonna like try and what if they're doing the exact same thing you are waiting for you to model that and I think we have more and more people who are like if you have if you have two friends you have two people who both really like each other and want to be friends but they're both waiting for the other person to like make the cues then it's so tragic we can see why so many friendships don't get off the ground it's not because both women aren't amazing and it's not because both women don't want it and it's not because they couldn't be great friends it's simply because most of us are scared i mean our number one fear is rejection and so we don't want to we don't want to do anything that risks that so it does take a high level of of risk a little bit to say i'm going to put myself out there and and make that initiation and yeah and for those of us who do make that initiation you know i mean i think one of the most important things we can think through is like I've started this conversation off by talking about how so many people feel like their relationships are unreciprocated. And Honey was saying she feels like she puts a lot more in than some people give out. So Honey is somebody who might be more of the initiator or the kind of reaching in. And maybe Maria, you're more of the one who's like, I'm totally happy to meet the occasion and rise to it, but I wanna see the other person reach into that. If we can do a better job of explaining that to each other, you know, if, if, if the Maria's in life can say to the honey's in life, like, thank you so much for starting this conversation. I was, I wanted to have this and I love that where we went with it. I love hearing your stuff. And sometimes I'm scared to do that, but I love that you were brave and did that for us. You know, then the people who are initiators in life feel more buoyed to say, okay, I can keep doing this. I'll show up for this. 
and it kind of creates uh, an appreciation for what we are each doing. And it reminds those of us who are initiators that there's amazing, beautiful people like you, Maria, that we want to be friends with. And just because the other person's not initiating doesn't mean they don't like us. It doesn't mean they're not interested in us. It doesn't mean that it just means they're scared. And that's true for most of us. Right. I, I mean, I love this point about like the communication and like the sharing this stuff, because also like a little bit back to the love languages and stuff like you can think you can be taking something really personally and be like oh they don't like me because they're not doing this thing but that might not just be like oh that's just not how I show or receive love that's why I like never thought of it like to me it's quality time so that's why like I try to see you all the time but that's why I haven't really like I've never said I love you or Mm. whatever you know what I mean but then I'm on the other side like oh but like I've constantly been been telling you how great you are you know like I didn't think that it would be that important to meet you this weekend you know (laughs) so I feel like if you can tell each other that truth of like yeah I feel like I can't initiate conversations and like but I really Mm. appreciate Mm -hmm. you doing it Mm -hmm. then it's like a a good way of kind of like meeting people halfway so then these like interactions Mm -hmm. actually can be had and in a positive and continue those positive emotions as part of the triangle of course yeah I love that those are such great insights do you could you speak a little bit to because I think some people will be listening to this and think like maybe if the consistency hasn't been there in their friendships or like one of the elements of the triangle as you were saying is lacking um they might listen and think oh my god this sounds like so much work like how can I possibly bring that this like positivity and this like joy to my friendships if I'm like consciously trying to do all this work could you talk a little bit about like what situations or like give some tips for like things you can do to remove the like element of feeling like you have to try or like maybe if you feel like you have to try like what you should do from then like maybe it's not best to pursue that friendship or yeah could you just just speak a little bit to that like when do you know that the friendship should end rather than you having to put all this effort to maintain it yeah it's a great question I think first what we want to do is recognize that the effort is we feel like we're giving it but really we need to remind ourselves that we're putting this effort in because we want good friendships so We're not giving this effort to somebody else. We're giving this effort to ourselves. We're like doing what it takes to build meaningful, intimate relationships in our life because six months, 12 months from now, I want to feel like I have close friends. And so this isn't me out there giving myself. It's me out there investing in myself. So I think it's really recognizing that we're doing this for our sake. (laughs) Like I'm making friends because I want friends. And so that's why I'm showing up and doing this. And it's a little bit like trying to be healthy, like go to it, going to a gym or something. Like if you go to the gym once and then you come home and you go, well, I don't know if that was very meaningful. I still weigh exactly the same. I don't like look any better. I didn't drop any, any, any pounds. I I don't know if it was worth it. And you decide to not go back to the gym because it didn't like have amazing dividends on the first time. Similarly to friendship, I think we often will go out with somebody, we meet somebody and it's not like there's fireworks and it actually, we don't feel all that close and we don't feel like best friends because we're not best friends yet. We're just people who have met each other. And we, we sometimes like want the results instantaneously. And we often walk away from opportunities because we didn't feel results instantaneously. And we'll say, oh, that was okay. She was nice. Uh, you know, maybe in a few months we can get together again. But if you just go to the gym once every three months, you're just going to be sore every single time and you're never going to be in shape and fit healthy. The benefit to physical health comes when you decide to be consistent. And we don't be consistent. We don't put forth the effort uh, only because we feel like it at the time. We do it because we know that if we want to have physical health in a month, two months, three months from now, we have to show up regularly to that. And similarly to our social health. It's we don't do this and then ask ourselves, did that feel super meaningful? Was that fun? Like, you know, because if we only do it when it like feels like it's paying off, the payoff comes down the road. And so I think it's really important to realize when we're putting forth effort that we can't judge every 
effort and on the outcome right then and there. Similarly to going to the gym, you can't say, is this working yet? You have to realize that it's as you put in consistent time at the gym that you'll show the results in your physical health. Similarly, as you put in regular time with your friends, with the people you're trying to get to know, social health is on the other side of that. And so you have to make the decision that says, I want the outcome more than I care about each individual step along the way. None of us want to go to the gym. We want physical health. So then we go to the gym. <laughs> None of us want to go on awkward first dates with people that we don't know very well. None of us want to reach out and initiate with somebody that we don't know that well. None of us want to figure out conversation with a stranger. We do it because on the back end, we want to feel closer to people. And so we really want to be outcome focused. We really want to realize that we're only going to feel intimacy when we put in that when we put in that effort, those times, that hours, and the logging of the time is so important. We'll never feel close to somebody or familiar or comfortable without putting in that time. And so I think it's really important for all of us to remember that we you're not it's not expected to feel comfortable right away. I mean, you're talking to a stranger initially. You're on a date with somebody initially, like you don't know each other well yet. So it's going to feel awkward. So don't use whether it feels awkward as a litmus test for what it can become. It's going to feel awkward. With that said, uh, when you have put in time with a friendship, when you've logged the hours, uh, your other question was, when do we know, um, you know, whether it's, it's continued to be investing in it? And when we should just walk away? And the answer to that, in my opinion, is the the higher up the triangle I am with somebody, the more hours I've logged with somebody, the more I've loved them, the more time we've spent together, the more willing I am to do what I can to repair that relationship or to tweak it or to fix it. Um, so if, if, if we've been friends for several years or we've really, really shared some special moments together, we've been really close, then I'm going to say it's worth a couple awkward hours of having some hard conversation, of setting some boundaries, of speaking my needs, of naming the elephant in the room, of like talking about how we can become better friends for each other. I'm going to say it's worth those couple of hours of awkward in order to protect the investment we've made of how many hours we've logged and how close we feel. So much easier, in my opinion, to protect that investment and to try to repair it than to go start all over. Like when you understand that it could take 200 hours to build close friendships, it's always easier, in my opinion, to try to repair the investment you've already made with somebody than to just push it aside and go start over. That's why we have a lonely world is that most of us just keep starting over and uh, or we just put up with a relationship and we don't try to fix it and repair it and make it more meaningful. So we're dissatisfied with the friends we have and we've wiped them out already. And most of us need to learn the skills of how to repair a relationship and how to deepen it, how to make it more meaningful, how to be more honest, how to make it more safe. And those are situations and conversations around, uh, you know, being closer and more intimate. And I use the word friendtimacy, the title of my second book, like how to go from just being friendly with each other to actually developing friendtimacy. And that sounds so lovely and most of us want it, but there can be some awkward moments in there and some honest conversations and some vulnerability. And so it sounds fun, but it actually isn't always. And it usually pushes our buttons a tiny bit. Um, but on the other side of it is what we actually really crave and what we want. With that said, if I've tried to repair one of those three things, if I've tried to do what I can to increase positivity or, or increase the consistency or increase the vulnerability, um, I have two choices. One is, you know, I keep trying to repair this relationship. And if it's not being met or not working, I have two choices. One is to reset my expectations and to acknowledge that as much as I want this friendship at the top of my triangle, it simply isn't there. The vulnerability is there, the consistency is not there, or the positivity is not there. And I need to reset my expectations that this is a relationship halfway up the triangle. So we're going to be friends who only see each other once a month and we aren't going to be super vulnerable and we're going to be, you know, we're not going to be best friends right now. And, um, and I'm going to reset my expectations that this is somebody that I'm friendly with and maybe our relationships will ebb and flow and you can move back up the triangle, but I'm going to recognize what the relationship is, not what I keep wanting it to be. And I'm going to name it that this is somebody who right now I'm not going to be super vulnerable with. I don't need to be super invested in. And so I readjust my expectations for that relationship. Um, or the other option is to say, you know what, I keep trying to repair this relationship. And um, it's not that I, I want to end the relationship, but I'm acknowledging that it's not there. I'm acknowledging that I keep trying to put these three things in place. And one of them or two of them just simply aren't getting met. And so 
I grieve and then it's, it's a it's a loss it's like I'm grieving that this is a friendship I wanted that isn't happening and so then that's where a lot of heartache comes from but acknowledging what isn't happening and that's really an important part of, of healthy relationships too unfortunately mm, yeah I love that that's like really <laughs> kind of like home. yeah really <laughs> relevant to like <laughs> one of our friendships right now in particular that we've been talking a lot about and yeah I think it's just really interesting in terms of like friendships in your 20s as you were saying like it's the time when people do feel really lonely because we kind of have this huge shift in our lives from like having the consistency of school and like seeing each other every day to like being in the real world and having to like navigate friendships and all our relationships in the real world and like whether that's a realistic thing going forward and I think a lot of people are like shocked by the way their friendships develop in their 20s and like don't necessarily know how to deal with it so I think yeah that's really really useful advice Mm -hmm. thank you for speaking to that yeah absolutely the other thing that's really hard in your 20s around friendships is um it's a stage of life where everybody has a whole bunch of really big priorities and so you've got some people who are just like career focused and like trying to like just pour in the hours and build up their career you have other people who are just obsessed with like the dating and dating becomes like the thing and so many people make the mistake of like making their romantic life their full social life and building their entire social life around that person and then uh you know and basically letting leaving friends feeling neglected during that time you've got people who are moving like there's a lot of big changes happening as people are like kind of figuring out their life and what's going to be important to them. And that's really, really challenging. I just want to validate that for, I mean, that happens all through life, but I think it happens in really big, extreme ways in our twenties and it can be jarring. It can be, you know, we don't all have the same afternoon off at school and the same events that we're going to. And so, yeah, it becomes a time where you can feel neglected easily by your friends because there's, they seem obsessed with work or they are dating or, you know, maybe they're even having kids and, and they're traveling and we all have different income levels. And I don't know, it can just be a really hard time to kind of like find your peace with where you're at and make sure you're prioritizing friends and making sure you're not getting off track and focusing on the wrong things, the things that you think will bring you happiness. The research, I'll just like end with this maybe. And just the research is so clear. 70% of our happiness in life comes down to our relationships, 70%. So everything else we think we're chasing Um, And we're chasing a lot, especially in our 20s, everything else we think we need, the clothes we think we need, the beauty we think we need, the money we think we need, the promotion we think we need, all of that adds up to less than 30%. And so it's virtually impossible to be happy if you don't have good relationships in your life. And yet we haven't all been taught that. And so it's really easy to get into our 20s and focus on a lot of the wrong things and set yourself up for a life where you get to a place where you have these things but are not happy and you're not healthy and you don't have the friendships. So what you two uh, are talking about here is so important. It's so, so big to say to your to your generation, like this is the thing that's gonna matter the most to us, you know? And so we've gotta learn how to prioritize it. We have to learn how to, to, to make time for it in our lives. And we have to learn to ask our friends to do the same because they haven't been taught this either. And so it's an opportunity to be super compassionate with our friends. They haven't been taught this. They haven't listened to a class yet on it. Maybe we share this podcast with them. Uh, that would be helpful because we all want our friends to learn how to be a good friend too and what's important in friendship. But uh, this is a really hard time to make sure that we and our friends both prioritize the friendships that we all need for our mental health, for our physical health, for our happiness. Uh, So I'm really glad you're both talking about this and, and bringing a lot of honesty to this topic. Well, thanks so much for telling us a lot more about friendships and sort of understanding how to maintain a good friendship and what actually is in a good friendship because as mm-hmm. you said I feel like no one's really thought it and we I mean one of the biggest things in the podcast that we talk about is how big relationships are and that's all kinds of relationships so with your thank you so much for giving us the stat of 70 percent. so now we can constantly <laughs> be talking about that <laughs> yeah it's a good one it's a good one yeah and thank you so much for the work that you do because yeah we as you were saying like we're not taught and mm. so your books like really are there to like help people and teach people lay the groundwork for a good friendship as maria was saying for sure. um so yeah do you want to maybe plug 
where people can find you, where they can buy your books. Yeah, if they want to learn more about friendship. Yeah. Uh, follow me on Instagram or Facebook, Shasta M. Nelson. And uh, my website is ShastaNelson.com. And uh, you'll want to sign up for the newsletter there. And I send out updates and stuff. Um, I've got several books. Friendships Don't Just Happen is the book on how to make friends as an adult. If you feel like you're in a new stage of life, have just moved or kind of feel like you need to kind of start the friendship making process as an adult. And then Friendtimacy is the book for how to deepen friendships with the people you already know, how to kind of go through some of the tough stuff together and deepen those relationships. And then the business of friendship is how to make the most of our work relationships. Work becomes the number one place as adults where we make our friends after you graduate from university. So learning how to navigate that world well and take advantage and maximize those relationships is really important. And then I'll just end by saying that um, in January, I'm starting a new coaching circle. So I invite 12 to 20 women into into a three month process of kind of coaching them in building the friendships and going deeper in some of this work and teaching classes and all that kind of stuff. So if there's some of you who are listening, who want to deepen your friendships and are ready to, in the new year, invest in that and say, this matters, I'm going to pay attention to this. I'm going to learn about it. I'm going to, you know, kind of have the eyes for it and start practicing this in my life. Then this is an amazing course. Uh, It's been life-changing for so many people that just kind of spend three months really putting into practice the things and evaluating their relationships and kind of taking a snapshot of how they can deepen those relationships in their life and putting a strategy together. So um, you'll want to sign up at shastanelson.com and you'll get notified when we open registration for that. But yeah, my passion is just helping us. I mean, we want friendships, every single one of us, like we are, we are lonely. Um, And I don't mean that, that we don't have amazing people skills and that we don't have great friends, but we are lonely and hungry for deeper relationships. Every single one of us, we want to be known and we deserve it and we are worthy of it and we need it. And so in my opinion, it's one of the most, the most important thing that we can focus on if we care about our health or happiness. So um, yeah, I hope, I just hope that all of you feel encouraged today to say this matters enough to prioritize and keep learning about it. Um, Don't feel overwhelmed. Just just take what you can and just keep saying, I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep practicing this. And uh, yeah, and we all have the chance of building better relationships, which is what we desperately need. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you so much again. We really appreciate it. Yeah. It was so nice to meet both of you and blessings on you and your podcast and your community and everybody who's been listening as you go on your journey. It's a beautiful thing you're putting into this world. So thank you. Oh, great. Thank you. Okay. Thank you again to Shasta for coming on Sextras. It was honestly so helpful for us. Like, I don't know about you guys, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it was really eye opening for us. And, and you know, we love trifecta. So the triangle really worked for us. We love building the technology of friendship. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, we hope that was helpful to you guys as much as it was to us. And definitely go check out her books. And as always, you know where to find us, what to do to help us. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts subscribe to our patreon to get the full video version of this episode and every episode that we release plus bonus episodes stickers behind the scenes content all of that lovely stuff mm-hmm. you can also find us on social media at sextras podcast that's on instagram tiktok and facebook go to our website sextraspodcast.com i feel like the, the list just keeps getting longer <laughs> essentially Um, sexist podcast everywhere yeah and leave us a review tell everyone you know how much you love our podcast and we will see you in the next mini series Bye. bye you've been listening to sextras presented by honey jane wyatt and maria jose hayo produced by mabel productions